Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Hopefully Sustainable. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and having a great week. I wanted to come on here and thank everyone who has listened to episodes, messaged me saying that they've learned something new or been inspired by one of the guests, and followed along on the Instagram. This week on Hopefully Sustainable, I am speaking with Callie Ackland. Callie started her first business at the age of 23, Bestowed Essentials, a handmade line of eco-friendly beauty and home goods that are now stocked in over 150 stores around the U.S. and Canada. In less than three years, Bestowed Essentials grew to become the largest soap manufacturing company in South Dakota. Callie also hosts a sustainability-focused podcast called Hippie Haven Podcast, a free weekly resource on sustainable living. And finally, Callie recently opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota. I'm excited for you all to listen to the episode and learn more about Callie. Before I go, don't forget to subscribe to Hopefully Sustainable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to support Hopefully Sustainable, please rate, review, and share episodes with friends. Also, don't forget to follow along on Instagram at Hopefully Sustainable Pod, where I post daily content related to the week's episode. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I am speaking with Callie Ackland, who is on a mission to promote sustainable living. I was really excited when Callie's team first reached out and connected us because Callie truly incorporates sustainability into all aspects of her life. And she is also the host of a sustainability podcast called Hippie Haven Podcast. Thank you for being here today, Callie. First, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and give the listeners a little background on who you are. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. So I started a zero waste manufacturing business called Bestowed Essentials about three and a half years ago now. Um, We make and sell eco-friendly personal care and cleaning products. Um, Our products are now stocked in over 200 stores around the U.S. and Canada, and we are the largest handmade soap company in South Dakota. Um, And then just last December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, which is uh, the first zero-waste store and community space in South Dakota. It's in Rapid City, and of course, we have an online shop as well. Then as you mentioned, I host the Hippie Haven podcast, which is all about living harmoniously with ourselves and with with the planet. Um, and then I'm also just, you know, a very passionate advocate for sustainable self-sufficient communities. Um, I love to connect with other female entrepreneurs as they're starting their own eco-friendly businesses and just doing everything I can to spread the word about the fact that we are in a climate crisis and we need to take immediate action and, you know, just trying to spread more uh, compassion around the world. 
Great. Well, I'm really excited to dive into everything. But first, I was interested to find out how you first became interested in sustainability. Was this something that you were interested in all growing up or something that you recently became passionate about? Well, my childhood was split between California and Oregon. So I've, I think of myself as a very West Coast hippie to start with. You know, <laughs> recycling was completely normal um, for me. We did it at my house. Everybody I knew did it because it was accessible and it was it was easy to do and it was promoted and people were educated on how to do it. And, you know, in elementary school, I was the official uh light monitor. And so I was that uh, nerd who would walk around on my recess break and make sure that all the teachers had remembered to turn the lights off and their computer <laughs> monitors off in the classroom. And if they didn't, they got a, a post-it note warning on their door from me. Oh. Um, so, you know, it was always just, just part of who I was, but uh, it was actually when I moved away from the West Coast and I moved to Georgia um, that I kind of experienced a, a different way of living, a different culture. You know, the, the West Coast and the South are very, very different uh, yes. regions <laughs> of the country. And I realized that, um, you know, not everybody had the same uh, education and opportunities and accessibility that I had grown up uh, as having normal to being normal to me. Um, so that that kind of opened my mind a bit. And then it was actually this documentary that I watched called uh, Plastic Ocean um, that talked about the Great Pacific Ocean garbage patch. And that truly changed my life overnight. You know, they mentioned in that documentary the zero waste movement. And I was immediately Googling, like, what is zero waste? How to go zero waste? Um, and that was December uh, 2017. And so that's when you know, I, I changed everything in, in my life and my business. My business was just getting started then, but I had been using plastic packaging. Um, and it, it really changed the course of my life just from that one documentary to, to where I am now and where I'm planning to go in the future. Wow, that's really interesting to hear how you found it to be so different in the South compared to growing up. I wish my school would have had um, opportunities like that, starting out so young, having a light monitor, that's really a neat idea to start out kids at a young age. Yeah, it was just kind of ingrained in our, our curriculum. And like I said, it was it was the normal for me. And, and I was surprised to see that it, it wasn't the normal in, in other public school systems to be conscious of environmental impact. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely an area that needs improvement across the U.S., just incorporating mm -hmm more curriculum about climate change and sustainability in general, I think would be a really great step for schools to take. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned that you started your first business, Bestowed Essentials. How did you decide to start a business and what was that process like? Well, um, at first, I got into soap making as a hobby. I found it very therapeutic during um, probably the worst chapter in my life. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, I was making soap so often and, and I was giving so much of it to my friends and family that they were like, okay, we've got like a stockpile of soap that's going to last us a few years. Like we have <laughs> enough, maybe you should consider selling it. So I, I opened up a, a small Etsy shop at first and then I started doing uh, a table at the local farmer's market on the weekends. Um, and I was actually, uh, 
active duty in the U.S. Navy while I was starting all of this. Um, and so it was in my, my free time when I wasn't on duty. Um, and I, I knew that my contract was ending soon. I knew that I definitely didn't want to reenlist. Um, but I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do outside of the military. And so I decided um, to give myself one year to try full-time entrepreneurship and to see if I could get my little soap business off the ground in, in one year. Um, and, you know, if I couldn't, then I'd go find myself a, a real job. Um, but, you know, with a, a combination of both luck and a lot of hard work, it did get off the ground in that first year. And so uh, we're still doing it now. And we've grown so, so much since then. I'm excited to see where we continue to grow. I love that because I do feel like a lot of people feel pressure right out of college or right after their first step after college to find, quote unquote, a real career. So I love that you gave yourself the time to pursue a passion and now it has turned into a full time job for you. Yeah, well, it was, you know, um, I was very privileged in the fact that I, I made a good salary in the military. Like I, I grew up very low income, um, but I, I was paid well in the military and was able to save um, about two thirds of what I made and put that into sustaining me over my first year of entrepreneurship when I was not making any money whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a, a really helpful starting off point for me. And how have you seen Bestowed Essentials grow over time? What what has it grown into now? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, like I said, I was in the Navy. I was making soap in my apartment kitchen. And then I actually decided, in addition to trying entrepreneurship for a year, I also decided after leaving the military that I wanted to fulfill my dream of traveling the country in a camper van. So I was making my soap and all, all the other products in the back of my van for about eight months, the, the first eight months after I got out of the military and um, outgrew that pretty fast, a lot faster than I had expected and, and ended up um, moving into a 100 square foot storage unit from August to November of 2018, because um, I was also working on a political campaign down in Atlanta at the time. I was working on the Stacey Abrams for Governor campaign. Um, and then right after the midterm elections, I, I packed everything back up in my van and I drove to South Dakota, which I had never been to South Dakota before and knew nothing about it, but I just, I felt called here. And, and so I came up here in November of 2018 and signed the lease on a 500 square foot uh, production space the day that I drove into town. Um, and we were there for, for 12 months. I hired my first full-time employee um, to take over production for me in March of 2019. Um, and then yeah, November of, of 2019 is, is when our 12-month lease ended at that space, and we moved into a 1,700-square-foot space, and that's when we opened up Hippie Haven, our retail store, and, you know, I've got a team of uh, five uh, other women working with me now to, to keep everything running, and um, we are in the middle of a, a very large expansion project right now, actually. Um, and just continuing to to outgrow our space very quickly and, and looking to move up into the next level here soon. That's an incredible story and congratulations on recently opening your big storefront. How has the store been impacted by COVID-19? Oh boy, well we were closed for three months. Um, we actually just opened up this week. Um, 
which, you know, was a, a decision that, that we didn't take lightly and, and we waited to reopen until the entire team felt comfortable with it. And, you know, we have a lot of health and safety measures in place to try to help minimize that risk. Um, just being conscious of the fact that, uh, the, the pandemic is very much still happening regardless of if, whether people are, are bored of it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so being closed, we, we were open for four months and then we closed down for three months. Um, and so that was incredibly hard because of course, you know, you don't start to see profit when you, you start a new venture right away most of the time. And, and we certainly hadn't started to see a profit off of that. Um, so to then have to close down, but still have to be paying rent and utilities uh, and insurance and all of that without having any money coming in was was incredibly difficult. Um, but I'm excited to to be reopened, even even with our strict safety measures. You know, we are we just opened up a few days ago, and we already have hosted a few uh, pop ups for other local female owned small businesses. Um, and of course, you know, th- we have them outside and out front of our store and masks are required to come shop with us and, and social distancing is required as well. Um, but we are definitely looking into how we can uh, engage with our community in person in a, a safe manner because we're not just a store, we're a community space too. And, and we offer a lot of um, community services. And so just figuring out this new normal, what it looks like and, and how it'll impact the business for the next year or two years or however long this pandemic is a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been incredible to see how small businesses have had to react to COVID-19 because they've definitely been heavily impacted by this pandemic. So it's great to hear that you're finally reopening. And I really encourage people to go into their community and find these small businesses to support them because they're a really important part of the community. Oh, absolutely. I don't think people realize that either, how important small businesses are. Like, you know, you think it's a small business, so it has a small impact. But in fact, small local businesses donate more um, to the local community. They give a larger percentage of their revenue to the local community than the large, you know, big box chains do. Um, Small businesses actually employ about half of the American workforce. And so, uh, supporting small businesses is, is definitely more important than than a lot of people realize, unfortunately. And so that's one of the best things that that you can do to help your community through times like these um, is is to be supporting the businesses in your community that that care and that are you know standing up and, and doing what's right what's right right now. I know you mentioned earlier how the documentary really changed your perspective on your original business, Bestowed Essentials, and how you eliminated your plastic packaging. How do you implement sustainability into your new business now that you have an actual storefront? So first and foremost, I I think it starts with our inventory and our supply chain. And so we are very conscious about the brands that we choose to put on our shelves. A lot of hours of research go into each company and making sure that there's no greenwashing, that they really are as, as ethical and eco-friendly as they say they are. Um, 
along those same lines, female empowerment is incredibly important to me and it's part of our company values as well. So uh, over 70% of the products that we stock at Hippie Haven are from American female owned small businesses. That's something that we're also looking at when we're doing research on, on new products to add to the shop. Um, and, you know, sometimes there are products that we'll absolutely love that aren't from a like 100% zero waste company. You know, they've got uh, some eco-friendly products and some products and in, in packaging. And so if, you know, when we come across those instances, we'll reach out to those brands um, and see what we can do to make sure that they're um, shipping plastic free, providing suggestions that I've learned in my time as, as a zero waste maker of, you know, eco-friendly packaging and, and shipping options and sharing those resources with other small businesses. Um, besides the, the inventory and the incoming shipments, um, I'm trying to think we, I'm not sure. It's just, it's so ingrained in, in what we've been doing from the start that it's kind of just, um, no second thought to it. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind with, with really trying to be as zero waste of a store as possible is when we are getting the store set up all of our shelves, all of our tables, all of our display and decor, all of that was secondhand. So we spent a lot of time going to the local thrift stores, searching Craigslist, searching Facebook Marketplace um, to find stuff that, that would fit into our, our branding um, and, and purchasing that instead of purchasing any new equipment or, or structures. Um, and then we also decorate with uh, a lot of plants as well because plants make people happy they purify the air um people we we have a, a whole wall of hanging plants and that's definitely one of the like instagram shots that our customers <laughs> love to take inside our stores um and with those plants too we were searching the the clearance shelves of the local nurseries and even like lowe's and walmart clearance what they were about to throw away because you know they just needed some tlc they just needed somebody to actually take care of them so that they would flourish again um and then a lot of cuttings and also just plants off of facebook marketplace and we started plants from seed um so yeah just just being conscious and and knowing what our values are and um keeping our values in mind and, and every single decision that we make, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem, because it isn't insignificant. Every little thing does add up and does matter. Yes, definitely. That's a big thing that we like to promote on the podcast is how small changes really do add up to make a big difference. And I think that your mindfulness model for your store is a really great example that other businesses can follow and you might even inspire other businesses to try to be more mindful, even if it's just about a few different aspects of their company or store. I hope so. I definitely hope so. Yeah. The other example I, I thought of too, when you're talking about other businesses is um, we, we have an online store too. And so we do a lot of shipping um, and we work with other local businesses. Um, we collect their you know, extra, their, their used boxes from them. And then we repurpose those again to send out our online orders. Um, and so that has definitely spurred a lot of conversations with, with these local businesses who might not have been previously thinking about any type of 
um, reuse or, or mindfulness in their own business practices. But when we show up and we ask if, you know, we can take their extra boxes instead of them throwing in the, them in the dumpster, that, that almost always starts a conversation um, around what is being thrown away and why maybe the, the trash isn't the best place for it to go. So I think connecting with, with other businesses and just, again, those little things really do make a difference. Yes, for sure. So I know we've been talking a lot about zero waste. And my first guest that I had on this podcast was actually a woman named Jessie Stokes. And she lives here in Georgia and runs a tiny yellow bungalow. Yes, tiny yellow bungalow. Yeah. Um, So she speaks a lot about making the zero waste movement more accessible and not as intimidating to people. So I wanted to ask you what advice you have for someone who's interested in reducing their waste and what your thoughts on the zero waste movement are. Mm, That is such a good question. I think the zero waste movement, um, it's it's a very privileged movement um, and it can be very overwhelming. And I think just the term zero waste is misleading. Um, Low waste, low impact is, is probably more accurate, but just not as catchy, hasn't, hasn't become as mainstream as the term zero waste has, unfortunately. And um, I think it's important to remember that, that we should all do what we can, but then to recognize that what we can do is different from what our neighbor can do and and what our cousin can do and, and what an internet stranger can do. You know, we're all coming from different backgrounds. We all have different resources available in our area. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have any type of zero waste or bulk resource, or if they do, they are oftentimes um, a lot more expensive than, you know, say Walmart. And it is unfortunate that we live in this linear economy that we live in this capitalist society in in which the the goods that are unethically made by slave labor are the most affordable and and most Americans um you know don't even have very much in savings if if any they don't have a lot of disposable income and so so many people have to choose the lowest cost option which is often highly overpackaged because that's that's what's available to them and so um I, I see a lot of judgment in the zero waste community and, and I find that very um, frustrating and, and very classist and very ableist. And, and I would love um, to, to see that be eliminated. Um, but I, I also hope that that doesn't deter anybody, no matter what their circumstances are from, um, you know, just going back to our, our past ways of living and, um, ways of living that indigenous people have have done for centuries, um, and just being more mindful, being more conscious of everything that we consume, not just food or not just personal care products, um, but consumption as in our um, media sources and education and, and the information that we're consuming as well. I think that's a really great way to look at it. And I definitely can see how the zero waste movement can be very intimidating 
And I think it really originated with the idea that all of your trash could fit in a mason jar for the year, which I think intimidates a lot of people. And so then they just feel, well, I can't, I don't belong in the zero waste movement or I can't be zero waste. But it's like you said, it's just about taking small steps. Do you have any advice on first steps or small actions that people can take to reduce their waste? Yeah, well, first I want to say, I, I agree that the trash jar was very detrimental. I, I think it was it was supposed to be inspiring, um, but it is so not possible for most people. I um, am very very involved in, in the zero waste community in a, a multitude of ways as a as a consumer as as an owner of two zero waste businesses, and I don't I can't get my trash anywhere close to you know a little amount to, to fit into a trash jar. And I think it's important too, we should not only be thinking about the packaging, like we also need to be thinking about where was this made? Who was it made by? How was it made? How far did it um, travel to get to me? All these other different aspects. Like for me lately, my life has been so incredibly hectic. Um, we've got some really big projects and in, in the works. And so I have been resorting to some frozen meals that, you know, come in a cardboard box and then there's a plastic wrapper around it and then it's a cardboard bowl. Um, and is that zero waste? Not in the least, but I am choosing to support vegan businesses and small female owned businesses, even if it does come in plastic. Um, so it's important to think of, of that too. Um, but then on the other hand, and I'm, I'm getting off in a tangent now, on the other hand, like I, I do advocate for thinking about uh, vegan and, and ethical foods when, when we're talking about food specifically versus the packaging that it comes in. But then also there's in the vegan community, there's this push for like veganism is the only way. And that's not true either. There's plenty of vegan foods that can be significantly more uh unsustainable than some meat or dairy options. You know, if you're getting vegan foods that were imported in from Asia or South America, um, that actually is going to have a much higher carbon footprint than if you eat free range meat from a ranch 10 miles down the road. So um, off my tangent there, as for <laughs> small steps that, that people can take, um, if you are, are brand new to, to zero waste, which I don't think your listeners are, but, but the first step that I, I recommend is to do a trash audit. Um, sounds kind of gross, a little weird, but I do recommend saving your trash for at least a week and then sorting through it and seeing what it is that you're throwing away. Because so often it's out of sight, out of mind, and we don't even realize what we might be throwing away. And, and just by sorting through it and seeing these different piles you might realize that there's there's different things that you could switch out without it, it being an inconvenience or, or expensive. You know, instead of going through so many paper towels, you can just cut up an, an old raggedy towel into rags and, and use that to wipe stuff up. Um, or maybe if you're going through a lot of, say, you know, uh, dairy-free milk cartons and those aren't recyclable in your areas they they aren't recyclable in most areas um, maybe you can try making your own milk like oat milk for example is incredibly easy to make and you're also going to actually save a lot of money if you buy oats and and make it yourself versus buying it made for you in a carton um, but I think your listeners probably know a lot of this this beginner stuff if they're listening to this podcast um, so my next piece of advice is 
to think outside of your own home and your own life. And I think one of the most zero waste things to do if we're really looking at, at zero waste in a, a, a wide range, a wide aspect is to get involved in your community. Um, volunteer with local organizations that are doing good things. You know, one in seven Americans is food insecure. Go volunteer with your local food bank. Help them sort food donations, especially in this time. There's, there's even more people who have lost their jobs and, and who don't know where their next meal is going to come from than, than usual, than when that statistic was uh, studied. Um, so, you know, or, or go plant trees or host a, a trash pickup around your neighborhood or um, maybe not exactly applicable right now, but volunteer at a, a library or an elementary school to help uh, teach kids how to read. You know, these other aspects are just as important, if not significantly more important than packaging and waste. Yes, I love all of those pieces of advice because I think it's just important to remember that it's how you can fit into the zero waste movement. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you are zero waste, but if you're taking small steps or being mindful about your choices and your actions, then you are contributing positively to the world and to reducing your impact. Absolutely. We all have a special skill or a special talent that deserves to be shared with the world. If you know how to sew, you are actually of a, a small minority because that is a dying skill. So if you know how to, to sew, offer to, to do repair workshop in your neighborhood um, or sew uh, you know, produce bags out of old thrifted t-shirts to, to be given away for free at the farmer's market as, as an alternative to the plastic bags that farmers often provide, or so uh, sleeping mats for uh, the local population of people experiencing homelessness, or, you know, there's, there's so many different options. Even if you have a large vehicle, offer, to, offer for a, a local organization to transport goods. Maybe they need to get something from one location to another. They need help with deliveries. I mean, I, I really do think that, that everybody has something special inside of them that, that can and should be shared with the people around them. Especially right now, I feel like a lot of people really want to contribute to their communities and do something to help. So there's so many different ways if you just look into your community and see how you can help. Definitely. So I want to switch gears. I recently started this podcast, Hopefully Sustainable, and you also host a podcast that focuses on sustainability. I'm interested to find out how you decided to start a podcast and what your experience has been like so far. Well, I started the Hippie Haven podcast in August 2018, um, and it really stemmed back then. Back then, there weren't uh, very many sustainability-focused podcasts. Yes, um, there were some that were very focused on climate science. Um, there were some that were very focused on, you know, regenerative agriculture. Very niche ones. But I wanted to speak on a broad category of topics. Um, and also, the other thing, too, is there, there were some podcasts, but they were very, um, what's the word? They were very dense. They were very heavy. And 
you know, I, I'm not a science person and I don't like big words. I, I don't have this, you know, expansive vocabulary. And, and when people are, are rattling off scientific stuff, it just kind of makes my eyes cross. Um, <laughs> and so I wanted uh, to, like I said, to talk on broad subjects in an accessible and understandable way. I wanted to be able to bring these important ideas and, and movements to the general public um, without you needing a, a master's degree to, to really understand what's going on in the conversation. Because I would listen to these podcasts and I would just just turn them off because it was just not enjoyable to listen to. Um, so, so that was pretty much the motivation behind it, and it's grown so much since then. I think it, I think there's a lot of other people who feel the same way who want to be more educated without having to get a, a science degree um, or listen to just really pretentious, stuck-up people talking about stuff. <laughs> like they just want it to be accessible and, and enjoyable, and to take something away from it without it feeling really heavy and negative in their day. So that was my goal with it. And I think it's grown a lot since then. Yeah, I totally agree. That was also a big reason of why I started my podcast was that there's just not that many podcasts out there that focus on a wide range of topics related to sustainability. So it's really great that we have podcasts like yours out there that are interviewing these inspiring people and making it consumable for all different types of people and levels of knowledge. Yeah, and your podcast now too. <laughs> Thank you. Have you had a favorite episode that you've done or someone who maybe surprised you? Oh, that is a good question. Um, actually, I literally just in an hour before we started recording this, I was just recording an episode um, with the owner of a, a zero waste grocery delivery service. And um I've, I've interviewed quite a lot of other zero waste business owners, so that wasn't anything particularly new, but, but at the end, she just turned full motivational speaker and just totally spoke to my, to my heart. And I, I really walked away from, from that earlier this morning, feeling incredibly inspired, um, on my own entrepreneurial journey. So that is the first one that comes to mind because it's so recent. Um, but I've had the opportunity to interview, uh, so many leaders in, this field and in related fields. And, and so it's hard to pick just one. I think there really is something to take away from, from every single episode. That's great. And I'm really excited to listen to that episode now. Yeah, it'll, it probably won't come out for about another month though. It's actually um, in conjunction with a, a launch that I'm going to be doing next month, but it'll be there soon. <laughs> so where can listeners find more information about your store and business and listen to your podcast? Um, so first, if you want to listen to the Hippie Haven podcast, you can do so by searching Hippie Haven on any of the major podcasting apps, or you can go to our website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. Uh, to listen to episodes or to read the transcripts there. Uh, if you need visually accessible content, um, you can shop Zero Waste Essentials at hippiehavenshop.com. If you happen to be in the Rapid City, Black Hills region, if you're ever visiting Mount Rushmore or anything like that, you should definitely stop by and check out our brick and mortar store in downtown Rapid City. And then um, if you yourself have a 
uh, eco-friendly store and are interested in stocking our Bestowed Essentials products, you can visit bestowedessentials.com to learn more about our wholesale ordering. And I will definitely share all that information in the show notes for the listeners so that they can all find your store and podcast and business and support you. Yeah, and we're on Instagram too, of course. We've got at Bestowed Essentials and at Hippie Haven Shop. Um, You can see behind the scenes of, of what it's like running zero waste businesses there. Amazing. As we finish up, I like to ask guests the same question as the last one. And I want to know what gives you hope? Mm, the younger generation. Um, I'm especially in the last six weeks seeing uh, kids across the country and across the world get together and protest and um, really take online activism from from millennial slacktivism to to something tangible and meaningful. Um, that has definitely given me hope. I'm glad to see how conscious and aware and compassionate the younger generation is, especially um, having dealt so much with older generations that uh, primarily seem to be lacking a lot of those values, unfortunately. So that that gives me hope that the future will be different, um, hopefully soon. Well, thank you so much for being here today. You're doing so many incredible different things in the sustainability space, and I wish you all the luck with opening your store again. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and it was a delight chatting with you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Hopefully Sustainable Pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.